welcome back to Pottis Rippers. We're here. Um, and I just want to apologize ahead of time. I know I sound very sultry um, today. I'm getting over a head cold. Um, but I like to think, hopefully it makes me sound a little like Nora Jones and uh, uh, what's the Wazowski. You didn't sign <laughs> your paperwork Wazowski. last night. <laughs> so maybe it'll be pleasant. Maybe this is my NPR voice. I like it. I think Thank we can keep that forever. <laughs> um, and We're just so, going to have to like expose you to like um, a constant rotation of sick two-year-olds. So, so I really you, should be a kindergarten teacher. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you never get the same cold twice and you're just like constantly. And just constantly sick. sounding like I just spoke, uh, smoked an entire pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Um, we decided to read An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole, um, which is from the Loyal League series. Um, but Alyssa Cole actually came out with the second book in that series just a few months ago, and we'll be doing the second book in this series. It's called A Hope Divided later on in this season. Um, um, and we found the book at the Elliott Bay bookstore while we were up in Seattle for Geek Girl Con, we will never stop talking about. Ever. Um, and we actually got the book. We went there on like a Friday afternoon and it was like one of their recommended selections. And then um, during the librarian panel, um, they actually included it as one of their romantic uh, readings or recommendations. And for very, very good reason, as yeah. we are about to get into um, but before we jump into the plot synopsis, should we talk a little bit about what we're drinking? Uh, yeah, ginger tea, cough, cough, and <laughs> some white wine. Yeah, I think we've talked, I think we've plugged Stanley's Wet Goods before, <laughs> but this is another excellent selection from Stanley's Wet Goods. So any listeners we have in the Los Angeles area, feel free to head over there for like reasonably priced and excellent recommendations. Hashtag ad, hashtag I wish. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but so for the plot synopsis, I'm just going to read this. It's, it's a paraphrase from the description on Goodreads. Um, so Ella Burns is a former slave with a passion for justice and an idedic. Okay. This is a word that I've only ever read and never, ever heard before. How do you say it? I actually thought about looking this up. Damn it. I should have looked it up. And then I was like, I'm sure she knows how to say it. I think it's idedic. Idedic. Yeah. Idedic, idedic tomato tomato idetic um so basically a photographic memory um trading in her life of freedom in massachusetts she returns to the indignity of slavery in the south to spy for the union army malcolm mccall is a detective for pinkerton's secret service subterfuge is his calling but he's facing his deadliest mission yet risking his life to infiltrate a rebel enclave in Virginia. The two undercover agents' paths cross at the house of the Caffreys, a southern slave-owning family where Elle is posing as a mute slave and Malcolm is posing as a Confederate soldier, and they soon discover that they're working for the same side. Their mission becomes more dangerous as they work to uncover a Confederate plot and try to deny their growing feelings for each other because this is a romance book and that's what we're here for. Feelings. Feelings. Um, and then this was one thing that we couldn't bear to part with. What is your episode name suggestion for this episode? So uh, we kind of had like a mad scramble immediately for before recording this um, to come up with episode names so I think forgive us because we're a little rusty um so mine is this 
is no ordinary union. Oh boy. <laughs> ordinary union. Uh, once again, we went for the same thing and you just did yours better. Oh no. <laughs> I took three times longer than Lainey did naturally. Um, and <laughs> L is for the love he has for L. O is for the only Civil War romance I would read. V is very, very woke hero man bay. E is L is more than any heroine I've adored. Not really a title, really more of a jingle. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The other one that I thought of was um, uh, Malcolm McCallmy, maybe. Oh, fuck. That's good. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Whew. So breathy. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's move on quickly from that. Um, <laughs> Gloss right on over uh, that. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for myself. <laughs> um, so I think uh, just to kind of talk a little bit about our two leads. Um, so we'll start off with L. So L, um, as... Natalie kind of previously touched on her greatest weapon is her eidetic memory. Um, and Elle is actually based on a real uh, black woman spy named Mary Bowser. Um, and we did a little bit of research about Mary Bowser and we'll include um, our references in the show notes. Um, but we found an, a really interesting article on mental floss and another one um, from the Smithsonian Magazine. So according to uh, the Mental Floss article, Bowser was born into slavery in Virginia sometime around 1840 um, and through her life uh, was a missionary in Liberia. Um, she was a freedman school teacher and a union spy in the Confederate White House. Um, her espionage depended upon the very institution that was meant to subjugate her, which is actually really cool. Um, chattel slavery was predicated on the belief that blacks were innately inferior, um, leaving a slave woman not so much... Uh, above suspicion as below it. So Mary actually posed as an illiterate slave in Jefferson Davis's Confederate White House. And according to Mental Floss, she like literally drove him nuts. Um, and Confederate leaders could tell that there was a mole in the highest reaches of the Confederacy, but no one ever figured out that it was Mary. Um, in his letters, Jefferson Davis complains that his mental state is collapse is quote unquote collapsing under the strain of not being able to find the spy. Um, at one point, he actually wrote to a Confederate general that no printed paper could be kept secret. Um, and one thing about Mary Bowser that I thought was really interesting and um, sort of one departure in the book where the truth may have actually been stranger or at least more compelling than fiction um, is in the book, Ellen and her family are freed by their owner's son after his father passes away. Um, and in reality, Mary Bowser had been owned by the Van Lu family. Um, when the patriarch died, his only daughter, who was a famed Civil War spy master, Elizabeth Van Lu, freed Mary, sent her to the North to be educated, and then recruited her into her spy ring. Um, and Van Lu and Bowser are credited with gathering and providing to the Union some of the most valuable intelligence out of Richmond, Virginia, um, that contributed to the city's fall and capture by Union forces in 1864. 
So in the book, the roles of Elle's um, emancipator and her spy master are actually split out and given to men. Um, and I assume that this was to simplify her backstory and keep the spotlight, you know, firmly trained on Elle where it definitely belongs. But we felt that we'd be remiss in not mentioning Crazy Bet Van Lu. Just the ultimate badass. It's. I thought it was so interesting going through all of those articles, and I was so grateful that um, Alyssa Cole, I don't know, gave us this gift because I had only ever known of Harriet Tubman. You know, people know about Harriet Tubman basically sort of did the same thing. She infiltrated um, plantations and worked as a spy. But I, I never, ever knew about Mary Bowser. Yeah. Never. And it's incredible. Her story is incredible. It is. It really is. Um, it would be interesting to read. Uh, I'm sure that there are full historical novels that were written about her mm-hmm. time during the Civil War. Super interesting. And one of the things I loved about her, um, going back to Elle as a character, is that she has all of the bad nasosity of Mary Bowser and she owns it and she knows it. You know what I mean? There's no, she's not a simpering. She's not, she doesn't um, doubt herself at all, which um, it never comes across as uh, too much or too brash. And it's never read as her being, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in romance or just in books in general, if a woman is confident in her abilities, it is, if usually subtly, but it is in a way written to be, um, she's, she's a bitch, you know what I mean? And she needs to be brought down. She too, she's too spicy. Taming of the shrew. She needs to be tamed. Yeah. And that's not the case with her at all. She's like, no, I know I'm really good at my job. I know I'm better than the hero at my job and I'm going to keep living my life. And you want to, if you want to rise yourself to my standard, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I love her so much. Yeah. She is, um, like, She's self-assured and she's self-possessed and she, um, she knows her value. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and I think on the flip side, you know, a lot of times we'll see like women who are in romance novels, women who are confident are bitches or women who are good at things are not confident in their abilities. Exactly. And so it's either the romance is the hero bringing the heroine down to heel Mm -hmm. or the hero getting the heroine to believe in herself. Yep. And the, uh, Alyssa Cole creates a very textured and like nuanced character who is good at what she does and knows it. Um, and it's super refreshing. It's so refreshing. And it's just, it's, it's perfect romance because it's idealist porn, you know? It is. Oh, God, I love it so much. <laughs> um, and what about the hero who is paired with Elle? Um, Malcolm McCall is a Pinkerton spy, um, which is basically he is the really, 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 really good at spying. And um, so the Pinkerton, we did a little bit of research into this too. And the Pinkerton National Detective Agency is an actual real thing. Um, and <laughs> lady, I think you're the, probably the one who put this I in did. here. <laughs> it's a wonderful underrated Weezer album. It's my favorite. If anybody cares, nobody cares. I care. I care. <laughs> I just, I saw that there and I was like, I wouldn't know something like that. Did I know? I did not know that. Um, so McCall's character was based off of Timothy Webster, who was, uh, an actual spy for the Pinkerton detective agency. Um, he and Pinkerton spy Hattie Lawton were sent to Baltimore in 1861 
to pose as man and wife and to uncover a plot to assassinate Lincoln during his post-inaugural tour of the states. Uh, Webster ended up being caught by the Confederacy and hanged in 1862. And while Hattie doesn't have an avatar in the book, we meet Malcolm and Elle in Baltimore in 1861 as they are each trying to uncover the same plot. So a little bit of a little bit of a parallel right there. Um, so McCall is Scottish, but um, and so he is in a slightly better position than most white Americans um, of that time period to understand what it's like to be dehumanized because of the horrible things he experienced during the Jacobite Rebellion in Scotland. Um, that said, he still has a pretty long way to go where it, <laughs> where it comes to becoming a completely woke bay. And in this point, I said that I hated myself <laughs> in the outline. Um, but it's true. Uh, Cole, as Lainey has already pointed out, uh, Alyssa Cole, my friend Alyssa, I'm doing the Rebecca Weatherspoon treatment tour now. <laughs> oh my God. This Rebe one time, Lissa said, <laughs> I can call you Lissa, right? Um, she does a great job of showing the duality and complexity of being invested in a cause while um, A, having the privilege emotionally and physically to distance yourself from it and B, not having to deal with the actual lived experience for those for whom you're fighting. And uh, Malcolm is a perfect example of that. Um, and one passage from the book that highlights this pretty well, um, I'm just gonna read it verbatim. Uh, the politicians could deny it all they wanted, but this had become a battle not just to preserve the union, but to decide whether slaves would be freed or not. He'd thought that's what he'd been fighting for all along. But if he were truthful, he hadn't seen slaves as more than the lot they'd been given in life. He'd thought of their general freedom, but not their individual wants and needs. Not about what sustained them from day to day, or what made them smile on a basic human level. He'd considered himself so involved, and then Elle had arrived. So um, Alyssa paints a fairly bleak, but definitely accurate image of the empathy of humankind. So you can't fully experience, um, you can't fully empathize with a person's experience if you don't personally live it. And that in and of itself is a pretty basic definition of privilege. You know, like you can empathize and McCall is very good. He's like, no, I do. I think all of you should be free. I, I get it. Yes. But and she's like, yes, but there are so many points in their relationship in this book where it he doesn't feel it on a primal level. She's like, no, I need this. We, we need this in order to be free. This is an ideal for you. This is real life for me. Yeah. I thought there was uh, one more short passage that I thought um, kind of wrapped all of that up together, which was from Malcolm's perspective. He'd always prided himself as a friend and ally to every man who sought equality. But was that true, or had he imagined himself as a savior instead? Boom. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah. Um, pretty intense stuff. It is. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, but there are a lot of passages in the book or conversations, and I'm sure that this was intentional, that... You know, although within the confines of this book, they're in reference to the Civil War, they are definitely applicable conversations um, for now. Yep. Um, and conversations that are points that 
everyone should be thinking about. Absolutely. That both the passages we just read, in fact. Yes. Definitely. Um, so this book, obviously, if you couldn't already tell, is not a Gone with the Wind. It's not a plantation fantasy. It is a romance set in the Civil War, um, but it is in a rosy Vaseline lens look at it. I just had to include that because I was going through Goodreads reviews, and I saw that one reviewer named Sulehika, I'm butchering your name, I'm so sorry, Sulehika Snyder um, said Vaseline lens look at the Civil War, and I was like, that's such a perfect description. I love that. Um <laughs> But this think, is... I'm sorry. I think it's pronounced Salika. I went to Salika. a girl named Salika. Oh, so Salika. The only. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it, this is definitely a true historical romance books, um, book. Uh, Alyssa, you, Alyssa Cole. I need to stop calling her Alyssa. Oh, my I God. Don't, I don't think you do is the thing about that. I think it's fine to call her Alyssa. Call me, Rebecca. Alyssa, call me. Um, she uses the events, events, places, and names of the time as actual historical detail to give the story breadth and texture and nuance. Um, as we've already pointed out, both the main characters are based off of actual people who lived through the Civil War. Um, and that can be sometimes a personal gripe of mine um, with historical romance books. Uh, sometimes you'll read a book and it's like, yeah, it's a couple that's they lived in Regency times and those are the trappings. But basically, it's just your average like romance, right. which like I can still enjoy. But if it says historical romance, give me give me some geeky historical shit, you know, totally. which is exactly what this gave us. Yeah. Um, I also so Alyssa Cole. Alyssa. Um, she actually writes in her author's note at the end of the book, which like I almost never read author's notes I'm because saying. I feel like they're often just like self-congratulatory and like um, inside jokes mm -hmm. for like people yeah. like that are in their lives, which is fine. But like it's as a reader, you don't care to Could read not that. care less. Yeah. Uh, not the case with this author's note. Um, it was definitely like the hidden scene at the end of like a Marvel movie. So I would... Uh, recommend sticking around for it. Um, she So she notes in her author's note at the end that although the idea of writing historical fiction, and especially a historical fiction that was set during the Civil War, um, it seemed uh, too complex and emotionally draining. Um, and she said, you know, I'll in spite of this, the more that she learned about American history, the more she saw it as a staging ground for stories just as entertaining and epic as the Regency Dukes and Viscounts romance readers swoon for. I also saw the possibility of extending the tropes of the Civil War beyond brother fighting brother and swooning Southern Belle, two categories that conveniently left out a whole swath of people, generally of a darker hue. Yep. Um, so obviously a multiracial romance set in the American Civil War is a topic that necessitates a great deal of sensitivity. Um, but Cole obviously more than rises to the occasion. Um, I'm all about the Goodreads reviewers in this outline, apparently. Um, someone named Nenia, the flagrant liberal Campbell, uh, pointed out that um, Alyssa manages to capture the sheer awfulness of the time period and the inherently racist social structures that help perpetuate slavery and racism um, with the ease the Oct that Octavia Butler did in Kindred. This was something I, I, I know we get up on our soapboxes a lot, um, about romance books and was like, is it I love romance books and they're genuine drama, uh, uh, 
there it's a genuine literature draw a genre my god genre <laughs> genre um and you know it, it deserves respect and don't put it down just because women like it which i i do still believe um and hold to be true but i honestly before reading this book i did not think that a romance book could necessarily capture something like race relations in the american civil war do you know or, it's, no, I, or at I least totally i didn't agree. expect it expect it to happen yeah. you know I totally and agree. it was it was amazing yeah um and we've touched on this a little bit already but um Alyssa Cole paints a really vivid picture of the deep and pervasive racism that permeated Civil War America, um, but she writes it in a way that allows us to understand um, how that institutionalized racism still exists and persists today and how our own privilege can blind us to it. And I think for me, and this kind of dovetails into what you were saying, it's been a long time since I have read a romance novel um, and like actually thought about the implications in real life, mm-hmm. um, or how a situation would translate into modern day, yeah, you know, totally. Um, and that flows quite nicely into talking about, um, the conflict of this novel. So as we've discussed before in previous episodes, romance novels typically hinge on a conflict. There's some, usually some sort of a barrier getting in between the two lovers and their ultimate, ultimate H-E-A, their happily ever after. Um, and in An Extraordinary Union, the romance conflict uh, very much centers around Elle's difficulty in trusting and fully falling for Malcolm. And this reluctance is completely understandable um, and is very logical. Um Malcolm is white, and therefore he cannot be fully trusted. Uh, His people have been capturing and enslaving elves for centuries. Um, He will never fully understand or be able to empathize with her experience as a black woman and former slave. And any union between them will never be recognized and will likely only put them both in further danger. Um, also, aside from all of that, which L does a very good job of constantly reminding Malcolm of all of those points throughout the book yep. and always calling him out on it. Um, another point, which uh, I don't know what, where I was going with that, which um, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Malcolm's spy superpower is charm and subterfuge, um, which L also calls him out on. Um, so he can't be trusted because. Um, who's to say he isn't using her for information the same way he's using Susie Caffrey? There are so many points throughout the book where we see him just turn on a dime and talk to someone, and Elle's like, he seems so genuine and believable with that other person. Yeah. Who is this guy? And just to clarify, Susie Caffrey is the mistress of the household in which Elle is posing as a slave, and she is just truly awful. Um, and uh, Malcolm is basically pretending to court her to get information about um, a, essentially a, a Confederate plot that's afoot in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, one particularly um, scathing passage is when Malcolm, for probably an umpteen 
15th time is apologizing to L for not recognizing how much it, not recognizing his own privilege and not recognizing how he was viewing sla- the issue of slavery and his role in the civil war. And he's apologizing and she goes, I don't want another apology. She said, words of regret and sympathy serve no purpose in my life at the moment, unless if they're spoken before a master frees a slave or a politician repeals slavery and the laws that undergird it. Her words were quiet, but that didn't undercut their strength. Perhaps that man did me a favor and knocked the idea of you and me being together out of your fool head. In the eyes of society, I'm nothing more than a wench for you to bed. That's just the way things are, and even if we win the war, it won't change anytime soon. Damn. Yeah, that's a lot damn. to unpack. Just damn. Yeah. And um, the, the thing that I have to credit the way that Malcolm is written... Um, his character does grow through the course of the book and she helps him to grow in understanding and empathy um, and his respect for and partnership with her is incredible. Um, but the story is ultimately else and, and Malcolm is an ideal male lead in that his, he's unwavering in his love for Elle and there's never any doubt about that. Like mm-hmm. that's not where the tension comes from is like, do I love you or do I hate you? And, um, and he also, uh, he respects her and her agency and he gives her the room that she needs, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of like being an incredible kick-ass spy and also in terms of their perspective romance. So he is uh, very clear and communicative with the fact that he is in love with her, but is also understanding of mm-hmm. her hesitations um, and is very respectful of the space that she needs to operate yeah, he's he's there. He's like wholly on board and ready to give himself entirely to Elle and put her above their shared cause. Um, but I, what I love about their story, I think I've already said this a couple times, but Elle can't do the same for him. And he respects that. And like you said, gives her space to do that. Um, as Elle points out to him time and time and time again, she literally cannot afford to put him and their relationship above the cause because too much is at stake. Emancipation isn't just a wonderful theory or a worthy goal for her to try to execute. It's quite literally life or death for her. And for those who look like her. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, so one last touch on this, because we've talked about it kind of throughout the course of the episode today, but the application to modern times with this book. Um, one of the most interesting things about the book is how uh, their conversations can be applied to kind of any conversation between a marginalized person and a person who wants to help but doesn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked at the beginning of the episode about how empathy for a cause is one thing, but really understanding the lived experience is quite another. Um, So there's a a great quote from Elle to Malcolm that kind of summarizes all this. And she tells him, because unlike you, we don't have the luxury of being outraged. If we rebelled and set half the country on fire, where would that leave us? You think that would make folks see us as more human? Um, And we've, you know, I guess, maybe beat this point to I was gonna, <laughs> but it, you know what it merits it it's um like Lainey said this this book in and of itself just opened my eyes to many or didn't open my eyes but 
Um, it made me think more than the average romance novel, more than your average, honestly, more than like a lot of the speculative fiction that I've read. True. And just like regular literature, you know, it was, it was a wonderful book. And it really makes me appreciate like the things that Alyssa Cole is doing for the genre in terms Mm -hmm. of like writing books that are, I don't know if crossovers is the right word, but it might be. Maybe. I, 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 we've talked about this before. I don't necessarily love, um, putting books into those categories and calling it like, look, it's a crossover. I mean, I do get it in terms of, you know, they got to sell it and market it somehow, but I don't, um, like, oh, it's a crossover. It's like, it's literature, it's art. It can be whatever the fuck it wants to be. I agree with you there. I, but I think, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that she's written a book that, um, exists within the general structure of a romance mm-hmm. novel, but that brings in elements that are unusual to the genre, and I feel like have expanded it in a way that I haven't really seen from another author. I absolutely agree with yeah. you there, and we hope to read more from her soon, and we will in A Hope Divided. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, on top of all the things we've talked about today, and and I think this has been a kind of a heavy, dense episode, um, but because we're, I guess, dealing with a topic that requires a lot of um, thoughtfulness when yes. discussing. Yes. Um, on top of all of that, the sex scenes in this book are on fire. Fire. So, muy, muy Yucatan Peninsula oh habanero hot. <laughs> so good. So spicy. That you, the characters jump off the page. Even aside from everything we just unpacked, like Lainey said, I uh, you could cut that tension with a butter knife. Oh my goodness! And the sex scenes were just phenomenal. Oh my, super super spicy. Super spicy. Oh my gosh. Um. So who who did you fantasy cast? So for Malcolm, um. I don't even know if this makes sense, but Carl Urban is who I was picturing. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Does he does he have an accent? Do we yeah, know this? He's, I think he's Australian. Okay. I think uh, for some reason I was like, he has something. Like he's British or Irish or he's one of the like issues. I, I, I think he's Australian. But let me okay. Check. I believe. I mean, I could also be saying that because Keith Urban Keith, is Australian. So that's a Keith. Oh, Carl Urban's from New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. Hey, same difference. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Carl Urban, but like, uh, not Faramir, not Boromir, I don't know, what's, Maromir, Haromir, whatever Mir he is in Lord of the Rings, um, kind of like that look, you know, um, I'm into it, was what I was picturing from Malcolm, and then, so, um, guys, when, not if, but when you purchase this book, because you absolutely need to, um, You'll see that the there's a woman. It's a very beautiful cover. Um, it's a just a woman leaving a room, and she's looking back, looking very like secretive and knowing everything. But also um, sultry. And she's like super smizing. She's like spying and smizing at the same time. Tyra definitely gave her some tips oh, before for sure. she posed for that. Do you remember the episode where they posed for romance novel covers? No. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god, we need to watch it. I don't remember that at all. Um, I think Fabio's actually on the episode. Sorry. Wait, I'll really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I want to watch that immediately. I don't remember that at all. It's like two literally of my very favorite things. We need to watch uh, eat some McDonald's while doing it. Um, so, 
anyway, the, the woman who's posing on this cover is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And so it was kind of, she was kind of what I was picturing, but she also looks like Michaela Cole, um, who is the actress in Chewing Gum. Mm -hmm. She's also in Star Wars. She is in Star she has Wars. Like one line. She's in Star Wars, and she's also in an episode of Black Mirror that she's been in, like everything that yeah. Cooper and I have been watching recently. Um, and she's yeah, she was in an episode, a really fucking creepy episode of Black Mirror recently. And I know she plays kind of a a silly whatever diss on chewing gum, which is the antithesis of this character. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know. I was like, I could see it. She's gorgeous, she and is. like I, I just. Carl Urban and Michaela Cole. I want you to be a couple in real life. I don't know. Think about it. Think about it. Um, what about what about yours? So for Malcolm, I put um, Scott Michael Foster. Who is, who is that? He's Nathaniel Plimpton the Third on My oh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Okay, okay, okay. And you know how I feel about him. I, yeah. And then for L, I actually have two. Um, either Janelle Monet, yes, um, or Yara Shahidi, Who um, who's that? the she's the daughter on Blackish. She's beautiful. oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know she's oh, she's stunning. Oh my yeah. god, makes so me those mad. were mine too. Yeah, they're both like stunningly beautiful. Makes me puke to look at them type women. She's oh, also okay. only seventeen. Like, I was gonna I, say she's a little young, maybe. I can't believe, but I I had no idea she was that young. I thought she was like in her twenties. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, she does have a very mature way about her. She definitely does. Um, oh, she's stunning. Yeah, Janelle Monae, obviously. Oh yeah. my goodness. Um. Those are very good fantasy castings. We did a good job with that. Yeah. <laughs> Go us. Hey. Um, Any yeah. final thoughts or anything we forgot to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. Just um, this is one. I feel like we say this maybe once in a blue moon. You have to read this one yeah. immediately. Absolutely. Even if and there is no one who is listening to this podcast who isn't into romance novels. But even <laughs> if you're not into romance novels, you should I would read say this. this is one that you have to read. Yeah. There was a write-up on this one I um, on NPR. Oh, no way. Yeah. I, I should send it to you. Yeah. I, I forget. I was Googling something. And um, last November, someone did just a straight-up book review on NPR I of this that. book. It was amazing. And it was, it wasn't like, Oh, it's a romance. It was like, no, this is a book review because this is a very well thought out, well-structured, excellent book. And Alyssa Cole's other books are phenomenal too. We actually recorded an episode about one. Is it off the grid? Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, I think it was off the grid. Off we, the grid. we read it and loved it and recorded an episode, but our audio was so fully fucked up. We could never, post we never it. posted it. I forgot um, about that. So I would episode. recommend reading that one as well. That's a shorty too. I think it's, it's a, a novella. novella. Yeah. That one was good. Um, it's a shouty. It's a shouty. Um, this actually reminded me, I wanted to really quickly read her author bio. Did yes, you read it? I did. Oh my God. Share. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get it out here. And she's stunning too. And her author pick. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, Alyssa Cole is a science editor, pop culture nerd, and romance junkie who recently moved to the Caribbean and occasionally returns to her fast-paced life in NYC. Kill me. Um, it doesn't say that. I said that. <laughs> her writing has been featured in publications including Vulture, New York Magazine's entertainment blog, Heroes and Heartbreakers, and The Toast. When she's not busy writing, traveling, and learning French, she can be found watching anime with her real-life romance hero or tending to her herd of pets. 
I just life goals. I want to move to the Caribbean and have a herd, herd of, pets. of pets. Come on. Yeah, we'll go hang out with Pumpkin the raccoon. Pumpkin? Oh, Pumpkin lives in the Bahamas. Who's Pumpkin? Have you never seen <coughs> Pumpkin the raccoon? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, um, Pumpkin is a domesticated raccoon. Oh no, is a baby trash panda? Pumpkin, um, as a baby trash panda, got thrown out of a tree and these American expats who live in the Bahamas found him, her, she's a her, and domesticated her (coughs) and she lives in their house with them and their two dogs who are named Toffee and Oreo and Pumpkin is the cutest thing in the entire world and I can't believe you don't follow her. Look at this freaking raccoon. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no, she's in a bathtub. Yeah, and she sits on the couch like a real person. Um, and she like loves the dog. Oh god. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well on that <laughs> note. I was gonna say I need to chug some tea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've pretty much covered all the things I wanted to cover. Aside Oh no, she's so fat. Oh, baby. Oh, I want to smush my nose into her belly and never come up again. No. Look at those feet. All right. All right. That's enough. Sorry, guys. We need to stop. This has Um, been Pottis Ripper. (laughs) And also, uh, Cute Pets Animal Hour. Yep. Um, And Carla Urban Appreciation Hour. (laughs) Um, Please follow us at Instagram at Pottis Rippers. You can join the Facebook group, which is Pottis Rippers Podcast. Uh, you could also join the Goodreads group with me, Lainey, and one other person. <laughs> it's um, mostly just Natalie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't meant okay. as a dig. I just meant that I'm lazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, at Pottis Rippers Podcast. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Pottis Rippers Podcast. Yeah, it's Pottis Rippers. I don't know why there's a podcast okay. there. At, at uh, Pottis Rippers. Yeah. Um, you can also uh, rate, review, and subscribe at iTunes, iTunes. Why does it say <laughs> iTunes, iTunes? <laughs> or just uh, listen along at SoundCloud. Um, I actually noticed we have six people have given us five-star reviews on iTunes. What? I don't know if you've seen this. Do we know all six of them? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I, probably. But. Um, that's awesome. <clears throat> Give us some more five-star reviews, you guys. Yeah, let's we get it up to it. 10 by 2019. Woo! Achievable goals. Yeah, and remember everyone, keep it lusty. Keep it consensual.